we still get that hit of adrenaline when we're in the dollar aisle at Target, as if we'd like killed a woolly mammoth. So we have to understand that it's not real and it's not sustainable. We need stuff. You need pots and pans and plates. And, but when we're looking at the buying of it to give us something, we're missing out on so much. Hello, and welcome to the Minimalist Moms podcast. I'm Diane. I'm a mother of three living in Columbus, Ohio. I'm trying to make room in my life for what matters by getting rid of the clutter and living life with purpose. I hope you'll join me on the journey to think more and do with less. Do you feel like you have too much stuff? A cluttered space isn't just inconvenient. The truth is, it's hard to lead a joyful, purposeful life when you're drowning in possessions. That said, decluttering is more than just getting rid of the stuff you already have. To make a real change in your home, you need to examine how these excess possessions got there in the first place. Returning for her second appearance on the Minimalist Moms podcast is author and professional organizer, Tracy McCubbin. She's here to discuss the acquisition cycles that keep our homes overcrowded and distract us from going after the meaningful things that we really want in our lives. For those of you that are new around here, I quickly wanted to share something from my past as my minimalist moment this week. If you didn't know, in my early 20s, I was a compulsive spender. The more that I could fill up my closet, the happier I'd be, or so I thought. And one of the problems with compulsive spending is that the high of the purchase is fleeting. It's not long until you find yourself at the store on the hunt for the next item to fill up your space. So I wanted to share with you what I've learned throughout my journey of minimalism, and it's the importance of intentionality with our purchases. Not only does intentionality save money, but it really allows us to curate a space that truly represents ourselves as opposed to what marketers are tempting us with each time we step into Target. And a quick tip that might be helpful for you that was helpful for me is nowadays, if there's something that I want, I record it on the list app in my phone and then I'll wait. I wait typically at minimum two weeks and if that item is still something that I think about, I'll go ahead and allow myself to buy it. That said, don't forget to ask yourself, do I really need it? Do I love it? Do I have something similar? Will I use it often? And I've said it before, but this new way of thinking may seem overthought, but the more you practice intentional spending, the easier it does become. So I hope that's a bit of encouragement for you. I know we're still in January of this month. A lot of you are doing no spend Januaries. You're trying to stick to a tighter budget. These are just some practices to put into place to help you create better habits this year. All right, I hope you enjoy this upcoming conversation with Tracy McCubbin. She's one of my favorite people to interview. She's super down to earth and really wise. So let's get into our conversation. Tracy, thanks so much for joining me again on the podcast. Hey, Diane, how are you? Happy New Year. I know. Happy New Year. I was so excited that you were writing a new book because I had to interview you about it. Last time we talked about the clutter blocks. So today we're going to be talking about your new book. What is the book title? It's called Make Space for Happiness, How to Stop Attracting Clutter and Magnetize the Life You Want. So we're going to be talking about what are the clutter magnets? What are we acquiring? What are we bringing in? I was just saying that to someone the other day. It's more about the consumption at this point for me versus decluttering. I've gotten my house to a pretty good point, but it's more about what are we acquiring and why? But yeah, why don't you reintroduce yourself real quick though to the listeners that didn't hear that first conversation? I'll be sure to include that in the show notes too, but go ahead and reintroduce yourself. 
So my name is Tracy McCubbin. I own a company called Declutterfly. I have been a professional declutterer and organizer for 16 years now. We're based in Los Angeles and I have a staff of 12 at this point. So we are flying all over the country, helping people really change their relationship to their stuff. Coming in and helping busy moms who are just overwhelmed of how are there so many toys in here, to senior downsizing, to helping people after someone's passed away. And so through my work with my clients, I wrote my first book in 2019, Making Space Clutter Free. And then I started to observe exactly what you're talking about. People are getting really good at decluttering. I mean, there's plenty of people who are not, but people are getting really good good at it. But I'm starting to get calls from clients. Okay, all that stuff I got rid of, it's back. I don't know where this stuff comes from. And I realized that we can't talk about decluttering, having less stuff if we're not looking at our acquisition cycle. So to really look at living with less and being happy with that, we've got to look at what we're bringing in. So I want to know, because you are working with clients, what this looks like both in their lives, but also have you noticed this in your own life? Absolutely. And the way that I break it down, it's like we all have these little holes inside of ourselves, like these little parts that are missing, our self-confidence, our self-respect, true connection, big love. Somewhere along the line, we got the idea that the stuff would fill those holes. I always picture it like we're a giant cartoon magnet and all this stuff like TJ Maxx and Target, you know, it just keeps coming at us and it just doesn't work. So what I want to explore is how do we fill those things that are missing? And turns out usually they're sort of right there all along with things other than stuff. Grandparents who every time they come to visit bring just all this stuff, right? And parents are like, we don't need more toys. I have a client, she had four kids and every one of her kids, her father-in-law bought these giant little race cars that they could drive around that had their names monogrammed on them. She's like, we have a tiny house. We have no room for these. I now have four of them. The grandparents, to me, were really missing the opportunity to connect with the kids. For me, you know, my time with my grandparents was working in my grandpa's garage or cooking with my grandma and that they're using this stuff like, oh, I've got to buy more. They're going to love me if I buy more. So really looking at what we think is missing that we're trying to fill with stuff. And especially not just stuff, but the acquiring of stuff, the buying, that little dopamine hit you get when you get something on sale or when you put in your Amazon cart. Well, it stops working. Yes. It's fleeting, that feeling of acquisition, and then it's gone. I own it now. There's like an adrenaline that comes right before a purchase. Basically, what that is, is we are still hardwired to be hunters and gatherers. So when we live nomadically and live that way, we would find a pear tree in the wild and we get a big hit of dopamine and adrenaline to say, you need this food to survive. Well, we still get that hit of adrenaline when we're in the dollar aisle at Target, as if we'd like killed a woolly mammoth. So we have to understand that it's not real and it's not sustainable. We need stuff. You need pots and pans and plates. And, but when we're looking at the buying of it to give us something, we're missing out on so much. I would say towards the end of last year, 
I think it had been because I hadn't made frivolous purchases or even purchases for myself. I was looking at my wardrobe and I was thinking to myself, I really haven't acquired new things that aren't thrifted. I want to buy myself a few things. I worked hard this year. I'm going to treat myself. But when you start doing that, it is so easy to become addicted to it, especially if you like clothes or you like shopping. I have that tendency. And it's why when I first became a minimalist, I had to stay out of stores. It was just for my benefit and for my mental health, like the fear of missing out. I felt like I was missing out on things that other people were having. But if I kind of isolate that emotion and isolate that mindset, it's so much easier just to focus on the here and now and what's actually important, what my values are. But yeah, all that to say, I got into shopping again towards the end of the year. So my husband and I had a conversation. What's the budget going to look like? How are we going to nip this? And he was like, what if for the next month, we write the purchases down that we've made? We're trying to have fewer purchases in general, but if we write them down on a board and then give them a grade A to F and see like, did we really need this? Maybe we need to do that. I love that. One of the things that I tell people that they can enact right away is swapping the word need for want. I need a new pair of jeans. I need that fuzzy sweater. Chances are you don't. You may want it and that's okay. And when you start saying that, it takes all the power away from it. So I think that's interesting to go back and look, was this purchase worth it? Did you really want it that much? And did it fulfill something? Are you using it? The bottom line is we are being marketed to 24 hours a day, everywhere. So I grew up in the olden days with three TV channels. And you knew when the commercials were, you knew they were commercial. Now it's like your best friends on Instagram and everybody. So we've just lost track of how much we really need and how much we really need to buy. And we're just participating in this cycle. How much do you need? How many different products are you going to put on your face at once? You just see people buying and buying anti-aging, 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 but you're going to age. Of course, take care of yourself, but we're walking this balance, but we can tip over into the other side so easily. Especially, like I said, if it's a tendency, are we doing this to fill a hole? Are we doing this to fill a void? Why are you seeing that we're bringing things in? I think a couple things. I really think we cannot discount the effect the pandemic had on us. I think that people were so lonely. I had a meeting with somebody the other day whose mom has been shopping just QVC and pandemic hit, stopped being able to go to church. So she watches church on Facebook. So she doesn't get that coffee hour. She doesn't get that. She's not playing bridge anymore. Those things fell out. And so all of a sudden this connection with these friends that she's had, she's gone to the same church for 30 years. She's not having that anymore and she's picking it up by shopping. So I think that we have to look at that just goes back to the simple things, the things that we think shopping can fix, taking a walk with a friend, being of service to somebody else. Those sort of very, very simple things will give us what we're looking for. One of the clutter magnets is self-respect, right? That we buy all this stuff to respect ourselves. We have labels on our clothes and we have this purse and we have a certain car, but how do you get respect? How do you really truly get self-respect? Doing something for somebody else. Nothing makes you feel better than to go to the grocery store and call your neighbor and pick something up from them. We've just skewed these important tenants towards buying instead of being or doing. 
Absolutely. And when our identity is rooted in clothes, for example, when it's rooted in the appearance, because it's like, why do I want these clothes? Okay, let me dig that out. Why am I acquiring new clothes? Because I want to look a certain way. What message am I trying to communicate? And I will say with expensive things, quality over quantity is important to me. I've said that I'm not trying to make people believe that I'm not into nice things. However, it's the number of things that we're bringing in and why people need to have a new outfit every time that they go out into public or on date night or fill in the blank. I guess my next question for you is how do you move through finding your identity and your being rooted in the number of things that you own? How do people move through that? I mean, at first I would say, read the book. If you find that this is something that's really occurring for you, the DMs I'm getting and messages from people, they're like, I just got my best friend just read and listened to the audiobook, And she said, I'm realizing that so much of what you're talking about, I can translate to my relationship with food. I'm doing the same kind of thing. So we're all on this journey for betterment to be our best selves. There is a lot of crossover. So I think awareness is always the first step. That's the conversation I'm trying to have is helping people understand that this lifestyle shopping over shopping isn't working. I saw this somebody on TikTok and this young woman was like holding up expensive things she bought in 2022 that weren't worth it. And all of it was like, well, I saw this on Instagram and I had to have it because these shoes were super uncomfortable. I hated this. Well, you're chasing this dragon, you know, Mm -hmm. you're chasing this thing, thinking that it's going to fulfill you and it's not. And I do agree with you. I like clothes too. I like to look cute and nice. I love it. But when you realize, oh, you don't need that many pieces and you can mix them up and you can supplement them with things that you find at the thrift store. There's so much you can do and no one's keeping track that you wore the same outfit. No one is paying attention. That's for you, you know? And I think it's a time of reckoning. It's not working. Our landfills are full. A client of mine's grandmother said this, and I've always thought this, when you throw something away, where's a way? Where is a way? Where is Mm -hmm. that going? When we're looking at how we're navigating through the world, What are we bringing in? Because we're stewards for that thing. And do we just want it to end up in the landfill? Didn't you tell me that you switched over to just wearing a uniform for work? You're like, I'm going to wear these nice jeans and this black top and go on your merry way. Yes. But I would say that with identity, when we start to, again, break that down and to see, watch the way that I view other people and what I value in other people. And it's not what they're wearing. It's not their weight. It's not their size of their house or what they drive. That is so superficial. And I don't want people to like me for superficial reasons. I want them to like me for me because it's so much deeper. And that's when we find actual connectivity. And I think if we find that, then we can suppress some of that need to find it outside of humans. 100%. And I really think that we cannot discount, Diane, the connectivity portion of it. The pandemic made that really hard. I I see this with my older clients who are kind of isolated. I see this with my young mom clients when you're sort of in that place of pre your kids going to school and you're like, you haven't seen anybody but a four-year-old for two weeks. And They've done so many studies, and I reference a lot in the book, on aging and healthy aging. And they say one of the number one factors of healthy aging is friendships, especially long-term friendships. So when you think about calling a friend, you're having a down day, you're not feeling great about yourself, 
instead of going to Amazon and buying a bunch of fast fashion that's going to fall apart, maybe you take a walk with a friend. Maybe it's a matter of getting back to that connection. And when you realize that how fulfilling that is, all of a sudden the shopping's like, eh. I do this exercise in the book where I ask people to imagine the hardest person it was for you to lose. For me, it was my grandmother. She's been gone 20 some years or something. Every day I think about her. There's not a day that doesn't go by when I don't think about her. I imagine, what if I got her back for one day? Would I go to the mall with her? Absolutely not. <laughs> I would sit in my kitchen. I would make her a cup of tea. I would ask for recipes I never wrote down. Like When you imagine that person coming back, you don't think about running to the Dollar Tree with them. So I feel like we need to treat all of our friendships in the present that way. I want people to read your book. This is exactly what I've been thinking a lot about recently. Like I said, I'm to the point where when I'm interviewed on other people's podcasts, I feel like I miss the basics because I'm so into the mind and this side of decluttering, but I have to go back right. to the basics because that's usually what I, I should be speaking about. What you're talking about, what this book is hitting on is how our mental health, our mind, connectivity, all of it is connected and you can't declutter and stop acquiring without that piece and without being really aware of that. So I'll direct people to your book, but I did want to know before we wrap things up, what is the benefit in stopping the acquisition, reducing the clutter? How does that benefit our overall health happiness? First of all, benefits are bank accounts. <laughs> you know, benefits are stress level. When you have a lot of stuff, you have to manage it. You have to move it from room to room. You have to take care of it. Stuff is such a time suck. It really is like, you're like, oh, I'm just dealing with all this and I'm going back and forth. But I did an experiment to myself the other day. I decluttered my closet after kind of about a year. And then I had about a third of my closet that were really good pieces really well-made, were going to last for a long time, but I was just sick of seeing them. I was just sick of seeing them. So I moved them into a closet in another room. And so now I'm down to like a third of what my closet was. I don't even remember what I moved into that other room. I'm not like, where's that thing? I'm like, it's all gone and it's fine. So it's the freedom that you'll gain, the peace that you'll gain. And if you can curtail the shopping, you're going to reconnect with people. You're going to be able to be of service to people. You're going to work on bettering yourself. There's just so much that comes out of it. I think people don't even realize. I just have some peace and quiet. I just have a little bit of something. And I think we can all use that. Well, Tracy, where can listeners pick up a copy of your new book and connect with you online? Make Space for Happiness. It's bookshop.org, Barnes and Noble, Amazon. It's ebook, it's audiobook, and it's carried in all the libraries across the country. So if you are a library patron, absolutely. And then best place to find me is tracymccubbin.com. And I'm having a really good time over on Instagram. So that's where we're doing lots of challenges and fun things. So that's a really fun place if you want to look at the emotional side of your decluttering journey. Absolutely. Well, I'm so glad you wrote this book because like I said, I think this is a key factor in how we can move through the weight of clutter. So I'm really happy that you wrote it. Quickly, before you go, you did this last time. I ask you two questions. What has been a beneficial resource that you want to share with the listeners? You can run a report on Amazon of all your spending. I think you can do it monthly, six months and yearly, and then it puts it in an Excel spreadsheet. You want to get real with what you're really spending, do that. Oh, no. Like all of a sudden you're like, 
wait, why is that on auto subscription? Wait, what, 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 what? It's yeah. really, really valuable, especially if you're moving in in the new year to yeah. like a more budgeted lifestyle and you want to really track what you're spending. That is an absolute sit down and have a cup of tea before you look at it. But <laughs> yeah, no, that's a great idea. And again, those subscriptions, you don't realize how many you have subscribed to until you actually sit down and look at them. I think there's some apps that'll take care of that for you as well. So that's a great tip. All right. My last thing for you is what is something that you can't stop talking about? I can't stop talking about my wedding. I'm getting married in March. (laughs) Oh my goodness. I'm so excited. We're just very excited and it's going to, everybody's going to be together. And it's so funny. I don't have a dress yet. Uh I'm not even really worried about it. Mm -hmm. I am just every day. I am so excited to go to, I'm like getting all teary to go to the mailbox and get the RSVP cards. I'm like the dress will come. I'll find a dress or I won't. It'll be fine. But just to see who's coming Mm -hmm. is lighting me up. It's just lighting me up. The rest of the stuff, the plates, eh, whatever the restaurant has my plates, but I'm really excited about who's coming and we're going to dance and the food. There are people who are coming who I haven't seen since the pandemic and I'm so excited. Are you getting married in California? Yeah, in Santa Monica at a restaurant in Santa Monica. We're just doing it all in one pretty simple, nice flowers. And it's really interesting how that's the part that's lighting me up. Mm-hmm. The community, the connectivity, like mm-hmm. you said, that is without connectivity to other humans, this life is nothing, which is so exactly, important. exactly. So yeah. always great to talk to you, Diane. I love, love being on here. Yeah, it was great to talk to you too. Thanks so much. What did you think of the episode? I hope you enjoyed the conversation. To learn more about today's guest, including links, resources related to everything discussed today, visit the episode page at minimalistmomspodcast.com, where you can find the entire podcast archive, as well as my book, Minimalist Moms Living and Parenting with Simplicity, or other ways to connect or work with me online. If you'd like to support the podcast, the easiest and most impactful thing you can do is subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts, and leave a rating or review of your favorite episode. Lastly, sharing the show or your favorite episode with friends on social media is very helpful and will encourage others on their journey to think more and do with less.